one of the greatest disservices that I have done to myself and one of the ways in which I have caused myself a lot of needless suffering over the years is trying to believe, and it's very subtle how this works, but it's basically along the lines of I'm thinking about something that I'm going to have to do in the future. Or it might even just be trying to decide how I think a day is going to go. And I make some sort of determination in my mind about how I think things are going to be. And and what's amazing about this is that this can get very, very deep very, very quickly. I can start to speculate without realizing it. And it's very easy to do this and not be aware that I'm doing it. But I can actually begin to envision what I think will happen in the future, how I think something will go, how I think someone or multiple people will react to me in some way, what they will say to me, how they will treat me, how I will feel about how they're... And I know I'm laughing because this does seem silly uh, on one level because it's, you know, we the, the, the tendency is to take this stuff really seriously. And I have caught myself in the act of taking this incredibly seriously probably throughout my entire life. And the idea here is that somehow or another there, there gets developed this ingrained mint habit of mind or mental habit to just kind of envision what I think is going to happen. And it's amazing how just speculating about what I think is going to happen can turn into, it's almost like what I refer to as a movie in technicolor. You know, it can get very, very detailed. There can be complex storylines. There can be suspense. It can be a thriller. It can be a comedy. It can be a drama. But it really what it boils down to is that when I finally realized this one day, and it was after practicing mindfulness for several years, that, and this was one that I think I really was blind to. I think I had done it so much over the years. I had engaged in this needless speculation, and I finally realized that I was doing it. And it was, to tell you the truth, it was a real game changer for me in terms of how I really saw my own life because I was spending so much time speculating about what was going to happen in the future and how things were going to feel and how I was going to feel. And this is one that I have, you know, I have worked with a lot in my own life. I have worked with other people uh, in doing their version of this and helping them to be more mindful of the fact that they're doing it and to be able to let go of it and to not take it so seriously and to choose instead to just live each moment as it happens instead of trying to get ahead of it or figure out what's going to happen and believe that we know what's going to happen. And I love how sometimes these small, these seemingly small reminders come in various ways and they're usually not outright you know reminders but they're just they're kind of glimpses that we get at ourselves of how we are thinking about something that is going to happen in the future and as an example 
and just there again, I think it's helpful just to kind of slow things down and rewind and look at, you know, how I do this myself and how I get myself stuck and get in my own way by engaging in all of this needless visualization and speculation. I do want to first say that it does not mean, you know, it's not wrong or bad to do this. We're not bad people or we're not wrong for engaging in it. Uh, there's nothing wrong with us. There's nothing abnormal. In fact, if anything, the more that neuroscience is discovering about the human brain and how it works, you know, the, the envisioning future scenarios and speculating about what might happen are really just ways in which we prepare ourselves for things. It's part of that. It's the slower moving part of that apparatus that has to do with fight or flight. We're somehow we're doing this and not realizing the ramifications of it. And I'm not saying that we should not think critically when it's necessary. I'm not saying that we should never ever do some critical thinking about what may happen in certain situations to plan for a contingency. There are times when clearly this is definitely very much needed. But these are the times when there's nothing really at stake, you know, in terms of anything incredibly valuable. Uh, our lives are generally not going to be on the line in a lot of these cases. And I'm not trying to minimize the seriousness of anything. I'm just basically trying to look at this myself and remind myself that things don't, I don't have to take everything quite as seriously as I think that I sometimes need to. So I had a one of these instances this morning, and in fact, it actually, believe it or not, actually, it isn't that hard to believe, this started yesterday. I had a meeting in another city that I was going to have to travel to and be there early this morning. I'm actually recording this just a little bit after I left that meeting. And there were going to be some new things that I was going to be talking about to some new potential clients. And this was not something that I am as comfortable with in terms of, you know, completely understanding it and being comfortable with it that I am about many subjects that I have dealt with for years. And so I knew it was going to be a little bit of a different experience. And that's not bad. There's nothing wrong with that. Uh, it doesn't mean that there was any need for me to brace myself or you know, get locked into a cycle of endless worry and fear about how I was going to do, so to speak. You know, was I going to be able, you know, and there again, that's that preoccupation with self. I'm so worried about how I sound. I'm so worried about what people are going to think about me. And this can happen, you know, this particular speculation about what will happen in the future can happen about all kinds of things. It's not just about things that were a little bit fearful of doing for the first time or something that we're not really comfortable or maybe we haven't developed uh, the level of proficiency yet that we feel like we have a mastery over a particular subject or doing something in a way that, uh, you know, that we have complete and total knowledge about that. So somehow yesterday without realizing it, I start down this road. I start thinking and I mean what I'm basically doing is I'm visualizing myself giving a talk and a presentation about a particular subject and it's because it's something that is is new to me 
I don't have a really clearly established neural groove yet. I don't really, I don't have this completely memorized. I don't, you know, I'm not so comfortable with the subject that I can just kind of do this without really having to think about all of it uh, as I'm doing it. And I become aware at some point, I started just kind of envisioning myself, and it started out, you know, fairly innocently. I'm just picturing myself giving this talk. And then I'm sort of taking pains to remember certain points that I want to make. And it's not to say that rehearsing things in our mind is bad or wrong. I think in a lot of cases it can be very helpful. I think what really is the key here, what's really important, is to ask the question, are we constructively and healthily rehearsing something in our minds? Or are we locked into a loop of playing this scenario over and over and over again, continuing to envision myself not really being able to do a good job of this? And then I'm imagining what are the people who I'm giving this presentation to? What are they thinking about me? You know, do they, you know, how do they feel about this? Are they uncomfortable? Uh, are they bored? You know, are they frustrated? And what happens is this thing kind of takes off on its own and it's got a life of its own. And I have clearly left the realm of, you know, healthily running through something in my head. I'm, I'm no longer doing that. Now what I'm doing is creating almost an identity of a person. I'm busy. I've become busy being the person who can't really do a good job at this. So I'm no, in my head, I'm no longer me. I'm now this guy that can't really do a very good job of presenting this material. And I also become the guy that other people who I'm giving this presentation to maybe are not impressed with. Maybe they, maybe they're tuning me out. I'm the guy that they're not listening to. I'm the guy that they have uh, no willingness to to learn from there's you know and this goes on and on and on and it's amazing to me how deeply I can get caught in this I got pretty deep in it yesterday and then I became aware of it and then it was a matter of just you know sitting with these you know these thoughts about how I was feeling about this and there again I'm not trying to not do it It's not that I'm trying not to do it. It's just that what I'm trying to do is just not take it seriously, not give it any more energy, to not actively continue to picture how this is going to go or how I'm going to do or how I'm going to feel or how other people are going to feel. And then it was a matter of, once I was aware of that, to come back to the present moment. And I realized pretty quickly there were things that I really wanted to attend to yesterday in addition to just being able to enjoy some time off of work. But I was too busy in my head somewhere else envisioning this thing that I wasn't doing until today. So then there's the matter of realizing what I'm doing to myself in that regard. And then it's a matter of not beating myself up emotionally or judging myself or thinking less of myself or being angry or frustrated with myself because I had chosen to do this and really wasn't here anymore in the present moment. And then it's really a matter of coping. It's, you know, and, and then I became of the aware, aware of the fact that you know, I know that I had some trepidation about this and I you know, admitted to myself that there was some fear, there was some worry, there was some concern. And 
the only thing that I could really do is either sit with that discomfort, sit with being, you know, a little bit out of sorts, or I could try to distract myself from it. And that's, and that's what I, that's when I realized yesterday, that's clearly why doing, engaging in all this speculation, imagining these future scenarios, it works really, really well for distracting ourselves. It's not the only way we can distract ourselves, but it is one that I have certainly seemed to turn to when I am feeling uneasy about something that I'm going to be doing in the future or when I'm unsure about how I'm going to be in the future or how I'm going to feel, you know, physically and mentally. So in terms of talking about the coping aspect of this, once I became aware and had to own up to the fact that I really knew that I was uneasy about this, there was no point in trying to talk myself out of feeling this way because the more I tried to convince myself that I didn't need to be this, to feel this way or to be this way, the more I was probably going to be this way. That the brain just seems to work that way in a lot of cases with a lot of people. It's, it's just, that's just how we're wired. So then it was a matter of being in the present moment and choosing to just accept the fact and embrace the fact that, you know, this was going to happen tomorrow. You know, I, I clearly have chosen to do the work that I'm doing. I clearly chose to give this presentation, you know, the next day, you know, as of yesterday. And that there, and I finally had to own up to the fact that there was some discomfort with this. And it was really interesting how when I stopped distracting myself from what I was feeling and just let myself feel it without needing to tell myself any stories about it, without needing to construct any narrative, without creating an identity of the guy that was uneasy or anxious or filled with trepidation. And, you know, the guy that probably was not going to be able to do a good job of this. Once I was able to let go of the need to do all those things, I could just be in the moment. And what was interesting about it was, is that I was actually able to have some joy. And there again, the idea here is, is that, you know, sometimes we want nothing but joy. We want nothing but happiness. You know, we want to rid ourselves of anything that is causing us discomfort or pain. One of the greatest lessons I learned from one of my teachers was that we're very seldom in life ever completely happy and we're very seldom in life ever completely sad or fearful or feeling any negative emotions whatsoever. And that's probably what I should say is that we're very seldom ever only experiencing just a positive emotion or just a negative emotion. There are numerous emotions and numerous feelings that we're experiencing all at the same time. And once I started practicing mindfulness and mindful coping, I started being able to really see this in my own life. I was able to slow things down enough to where I could really realize, you know, I really do feel I am happy, but there's also some fear there. I also, you know, I do feel good about life, but I also have some uncertainty and some unease about what's going to happen later. And it was okay. And I did that many times yesterday. I sat with, and when I say sit, sat with, I'm not saying that I sat still, you know, the entire day just feeling these things. There again, that's the really the benefit of mindful coping is that it's mindfulness practice for the real world. It's when we're out in the world, we're being mindful on our feet while we're in the middle of the storm, while we're in the middle of everything that's happening in our lives. And part of what's happening in our lives is not just dealing with the things that we feel are negative 
or that tax us in some ways. But it's also about being more open to the good things in life, the things that give us positive feelings and positive emotions. And we can cope more effectively when we're able to allow ourselves to engage in a practice and to have the support of a practice that lets us be here, right here, right now. It's not a magic wand. It won't make all the the stuff that makes us fearful and the stuff that makes us not feel so great. It won't make all that go away. There's no way to make that go away. I don't think, unless there's something I don't know. I can distract myself from it, and I can get away from it for a period of time. But if it's something that's looming out there at some point in the future, I'm going to have to face it at some point. And that's not my own judgment about it. That's just, to me, the truth of the situation is that at some point I will have to face it, whatever it is that I'm uncomfortable about. So the idea here is, if that's the case, if I know that I'm going to have to deal with something that might be painful or that isn't going to feel great, you know, how do I live in the meantime? And this is really where mindful coping helps. It is really about being able to give ourselves the support with things, with practices, with, you know, with ways of being that allow us to really be here and enjoy those things that make us feel good, those things that give us inner strength, those things that actually feel like they make life worth living. It's just that we have to avail ourselves of that. And sometimes it's not just as easy as deciding we're going to do that because there again, you know, if we just all of a sudden decide, okay, I'm going to avail myself of these things. I'm going to be here now all the time. You know, there, it's, it's something that can not, you know, just choosing to do that won't always work. And I know for me, it, it generally never works. And I'm not saying that it can't work for some people. I just know that with the many, many people I've talked to about these things over the years that I've worked with and shared things with in terms of mindfulness practice and mindful coping, that it's hard to will yourself to just be a certain way and to sustain that for a long period of time. So in this case, I want to utilize a practice that I know works for me. And it's not to say that mindfulness or mindful coping practice can work for everyone. I think everyone has to find out for themselves if this is what they want, what is the best practice for them. Because there's many meditative practices. There's many different ways to achieve what uh, neuroscientists refer to as a flow state or being really in the present moment. It's just a matter of finding one that works for us and continuing to practice that on a consistent basis and to sustain that practice over a, you know the longer term of our lives so that we can actually reap the benefits of it and so that we'll be healthier, so that we'll have less stress, so that we will live lives that will feel more meaningful and most importantly, we'll be here experiencing those things and not somewhere else speculating about what we're going to feel like because it's so easy to get caught in the trap of just, I can literally just, you know, sometimes wonder how I'm going to feel the day after tomorrow. If I'm not feeling really good for some reason now, there's this tendency to think, you know, I wonder if I'm going to feel the same way then, or maybe I'm going to feel even worse then. And then we start imagining those things. So the more that I can realize, I just, there's no way for me to know how I'm going to feel uh, a minute from now, let alone, you know, two weeks from now or two years from now. There's just no way to know. So I want to make the best with what I have 
right here, right now. And that's really where mindfulness and mindful coping practice can be of tremendous help and a tremendous emotional support for us is to utilize those practices in the here and now so that we can be more in the here and now where it's really happening.